Hi there. Welcome to today's episode. Are you planning an event, or you were thinking about it? In fact, I would like to take a step further that even you are not planning an event, but you are really thinking about how can you level up the experience for your clients. If so, then you will love today's episode. Today we have a special guest. He is the expert of experts when it comes to planning the events. Phil Merchant is the director of experience for Social Media Examiner. He has been designing the social media marketing world experience for over a decade. We are talking about drawing from over 25 years in creating customized events. He loves to create memorable moments. And transformational experiences. In addition, Phil also is a jazz saxophonist and the author of *Unforgettable: The Art and Science of Creating Memorable Experiences*. In this episode, we're talking about baking bread versus creating a memorable event. Curious? Well, you gotta listen to it. We also talk about how to create those powerful, shareable moments for your events. And in order to have those wonderful events, you need to have a right crew to work with you, right? We talk about how you can recruit them, and so much more. So now let's check with Phil. Welcome to the Christian CEO Podcast. I'm Katie Bother, and I have built an impactful location independent business since 2008, with plenty of rejections, English as my third language, and lots of God's grace. Each week, we will be sharing relevant and direct advice or inspiring interviews with one intention: it's your time to go pro with your marketplace calling. Now, let's get to it. Phil, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to be here, Kelly. Thanks for having me back. Well, yeah, exactly. We were just talking about last time, you know, when you was in our show. It was in 2017. Can you believe it? I can't. And I was re- reflecting that that's before I ever thought about writing this book, or maybe I'd thought about it, but I definitely hadn't started working on it. It was that summer of 2017 where I got the first moment of clarity. That、mm. I need to write this book, which your audience may find interesting, because the story of Joshua when he prays for God to cause the sun to stand still while he's fighting those five armies and whatever chapter of Joshua that is,、um, that it dawned on me as I was reading that that experience of making time stand still is what we want to do when we're creating. Um, events we want, or you know, if you're in ministry, that's what you want to do too. You want people to slow down so much that they can pay attention to the most important things. So I thought that's the book I need to write. I need to <laughs> teach people how to make time stand still. And then I realized, okay, only God can do that. I need to write a different book, but it is a cool idea. Oh, you know, I did not know there's such a background story there.、Um, you know, we surely will link like、uh, the last episode. Which is 2017 the episode.、Uh, you guys can go to listen to it because we actually talking about a、uh, Christian a、uh, Christian leadership, and so、um, so that's kind of diving. Why not you just tell us, you know, what prompted you? I mean, you kind of share a little bit. 
what prompts you to say, this is it. I need to be obedient and I need to write this book. I think since 2017, people have been saying, Phil, you need to write this book. You need to document your process. Multiple people wanted to help me and there were multiple starts to trying to write it. You know, I did try to write that book, Time Stand Still, and it wasn't very long before I realized that's not something you can bottle. And then someone wanted me to write all my checklists. Well, I'm not a checklist guy. I'm more of a concept, philosophy, strategy, um, creative. So that really wasn't fitting. And I tried. I really did because I know that's what people would buy. Everyone wants to buy a list of checklists. And I, I honestly tried to create that for them, but I couldn't. So instead, by the end of 2019, I came under contract with Morgan James and I started to see, and it wasn't until after the pandemic that I really got the full vision of what the book could become. I, I came under contract, started working on it. When the pandemic hit, the publisher and I both agreed I should stop working on it because who wants to buy an, a book about live event experiences during a pandemic? So we all waited until after things had simmered down. And then in 21, late 21, I think I started working on it. And that's where this idea of writing a recipe book became way more appealing, like not me giving you recipes, but me teaching you how to create your own recipe. And so that's what the book is, is it goes through all the ingredients. It shows you how to make something unforgettable, but then it shows you here are the ingredients when you're creating events that you need to think about. And every event has these ingredients in common, but the way that you use those and the way that you select them and put them together and the attention to detail is what's going to make your event stand out and make it serve your audience the best. Yeah, it's so true. Uh, I remember I was a volunteer uh, one year in the social media marketing world. Mm -hmm. And I still remember that training. You know, when I sat there, I just cannot stop keeping smiling because my background was mm -hmm. hospitality industry mm -hmm. uh, in the luxury brand, right? And so uh, I just, I remember like, for example, just one simple uh a live example, you say, if somebody asks you direction, don't just point, but bring them to, right? Yes. And this is such, uh, you know, for me also, this is such a servant leadership as well. So since we talk about that, you know, in your book, right, you mentioned about, I love your subtitle say is art and science, you know? Yes. And because um, although you did not give us a checklist, so to speak, right? But I love you say it's art and science. And then you're talking about, you're talking about baking bread, you know? Mm -hmm. For me, uh, you know, Chinese cooking, we pretty much can put everything to the wall and then we can just stir fry. But when it comes to, <laughs> I remember I had learned baking cake from my mother-in-law and then it's such a science, right? You cannot just, you know, up to your own desire. So can you kind of tell us about, you utilize the baking bread as a central analogies throughout your book, you know? Yep. How does it come along and how does the principle of 10,000 hours mastery fit into mm. this? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you. So if you think about baking bread, there's four basic ingredients that you have to have in bread. And then there's all kinds of other things that you can add that are your choice. So the four basic ingredients are flour, yeast, water, and salt. And you could choose to keep the yeast out of there if you want unleavened bread. 
Um, but most of us don't eat unleavened bread except for special occasions. So we'll keep those four in there. So if I gave you a recipe with those four ingredients and you handed it to your 12 year old and said, okay, stir these together, let it rise for two hours, stick it in the oven for however long and it comes out, you're going to have an edible piece of bread and a novice can do it with the right recipe. But the principle of the 10,000 hours comes in where if I asked a novice versus someone with 10,000 hours to create a really special loaf of bread for, um, you know, a fine dining experience or, you know, back in your lingerie business, like you're doing a special open house or something and you wanted some really good bread, the, the novice is not going to be able to pull it off. And there's certain kinds of things that a novice could never do. It's going to get ruined every time because the yeast is going to fall. Um, they can't get the taste profile that you want. So the more hours you have, the more experienced you are knowing, oh, you know, for this kind of application, I need to use this oven. For this application, I need to use this kind of flour. Oh, I should probably back off the water because I added this ingredient that has a moisture um, quotient to it. Oh, I need to add more water or you know, less yeast, more yeast. I need to let the yeast rise more slowly, or I need to let it rise quickly. All those things. And I'm not a baker, but you can tell I've thought about it. Um, all those things make a difference. The more experience you have, the more that you know what's available to you. You've tried it, you've done it. So the same thing applies in events and events have four or five basic ingredients. Um, and I won't probably come up with all of them off the top of my head, but they're, it's the content, it's the context. The content's like what you're learning. The context is where you are. The crew is the staff who's putting this event on. There's the um, community or the connections that you're making. And so in my mind, that's the yeast. So if <laughs> I did a live demonstration, Kelly, of this uh, on stage a few months ago, and I didn't have enough water and mm. I had a baker in the audience. And I said, what would happen if I put yeast in this bread, but I didn't stir it in? And she said, well, if you don't stir it at all, it won't activate and it's useless. I said, well, what if I stirred it just enough to activate it, but I didn't let it spread to the whole loaf? She said, well, then only one part of the loaf is going to rise. And a lot of times that's what happens at events. The connectors stay with each other, but they don't bring everybody in. So connections is part of your event. And then the, the water is actually really interesting. Water to me is um, communication. So communication is the other ingredient. And I in, did not do this on purpose, but I didn't have enough water when I was doing this live demo. And what ended up happening is, is I had really clumpy dough. And someone came up to me afterwards and said, Phil, you had the perfect opportunity to tell us why communication is so important. Because look what happened. Some people were in the know, they were in the clump and there was lots of people who didn't have any idea and they were just left loosely to themselves wondering what is going on. And have you ever been to an event where it feels like that? Like, you know, some of the stuff, but you don't know all of the stuff and you get overwhelmed if you're in one part, but you're underwhelmed and don't know anything if you're in another part. So it's like a great living analogy. So that's why I think this metaphor is great. Whether you love to bake or not, the the, what you need to understand is understand those ingredients. How do they apply to your specific event that you're creating? Make decisions for the audience that you're trying to serve. So it all comes in that context. If you a great baker knows the taste pro profile of the, the customer. So I talked to Josh Allen in the book, and he's a baker in St. Louis, and he's a 
nationally known award-winning baker. And he told me, I really try to understand the taste profile and I will experiment for up to a year until I get the recipe to the customer's liking. I really try to understand exactly what they want. And then I'm testing and trying things throughout the year or however long it takes them. It may not take them that long until they're happy. He has the tools to do that. A novice does not. So get your laps in, get your hours in, get your reps in, or have people on your team that understand these things and can own the different parts. That is so good. Now, I kind of know that my audience now kind of have a question pop up. You know, I see the kind of the cloud <laughs> above yes. the essay. Oh, so that is really relatable, you know, when you come to the bread making with a events but that also maybe discourage like people they are new event planner right they're gonna say oh so i'm just new you know um so i don't know the details what should i pay attention to uh should i just give up you know or it's there is a way that you know you can you can encourage them say no you should move forward so we all have to have our first event. You always have to put your first hour in. So go do it. Um, what what I would encourage you with is my book is one of many resources that can help you speed up that learning process. I think there are there are ways that you can close the gap. You don't have to get to ten thousand hours personally if collectively you do so. Lean on my wisdom, lean on the wisdom of others. You may want to hire someone. So the first time that we put on the large conference, you talked about social media marketing world, none of us on the team had ever put on a conference of a thousand plus people. And we'd done lots of smaller events, but none of us had done that. So we hired someone who did have that experience. And so they were able to close that gap. And still, they had not done what we ended up being was it was as big as 5,000. So we all grew together. We asked questions of people. Um, one of the things that I would tell you is when you're talking to a vendor, you're talking to your staff, you're talking to someone, you know, like a, uh, the hotel that you're working with or whatever, ask them this question. What question have I not asked you that you wish customers would always ask you? Ask some version of that. You'll be amazed what comes back and they'll thank you first of all for asking the question, but then it's going to make them think and say, you know what? No one ever thinks to ask about this or people always forget to do that. And then all of a sudden you're going to speed up your learning curve because they're going to help you. You know, the first time we did it at the convention center and I forget what year you came, Kelly, you remember what year that first time you came was? It's um, well, before COVID, so I guess it's one to one or two years before the COVID. Okay. So you were at the convention center. So the very first year was 2016. So we asked them that question and actually asked them multiple people that question. What is it we don't know? We've never done a you know a citywide event before. We don't know what we don't know. So that we just asked that question and they came back to us and they came along and they set us up for success because we asked that question. They took us under their arm. And they say, we want to see you succeed. And so, you know, after two or three years, we were asking them that question. They said, no, you don't need to ask us that question anymore. You already know everything. <laughs> so that's my encouragement to you. If you're more at the beginning or um, you haven't done this much, just start doing it. 
get people on your side. And that can be, you know, a virtual mentor like myself through a book. Eventually I'll probably have a course, but I'm not the only one. Um, but then you might want to hire somebody to come alongside you. And there are event planners all over the world who are really good at the detail stuff. Um, the strategic stuff is what you need to think about and decide. Like that's that's your decision as the CEO of your company. Like, what is this event about? Who is it that I'm really trying to reach? What transformation do I want to see happen within this experience that we're creating what are, what are some of those features of this? And then they can help you execute on it. Um, and they may be able to just take it over for you, depending on what your skill set is and what your bandwidth and what your passion is. That is good. Okay, guys, that's a no excuse. Okay. But bottom line, you guys know in this show, if God says so, God already provided resources out there waiting for you to tap into, right? Amen. Now, Amen. I think a lot of times though, uh, especially the high achievers, uh, leaders, you know, when they think about, wow, this project, right? I got to execute it. And they start to think about all the logistics. But I think it's very easy to overlook about emotion, right? Mm. And I think you stress the creating the powerful uh, moments, uh, meaningful experience in your book. So can you kind of elaborate and tell us about how to use the, you know, unexpected elements you know, uh, emotional leverage and so on to creating that memorable experiences. And while you are thinking on that, you know, I just uh, can share about my part is like, again, working in the luxury hotels, right? So for example, before that, uh, and my husband too, he was working with Ritz-Carlton, right? Uh, and I was wor wor working for Grand Hyatt. And I remember... Mm -hmm. In Grand Hyatt, we have a slogan say, delight your guest. Yes. Delight your guest. And then in Ritz Carlton is, we are the ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. Right. So, um, yeah. So tell us, how do we create that, you know, memorable moments and the special, powerful uh, experience? Before we move on the conversation, did you know we publish weekly videos in our YouTube channel? The channel is designed to equip leaders like you to become that Christian CEO that God has called you. Just go to youtube.com forward slash Kelly Father Show or just go to youtube.com keying my name, Kelly Father. Then you can find our channel easily. If you are there, would you please considering subscribe, like, and comment on the videos? That would really help us to grow the channel and serve more entrepreneurs like you. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Let me start with a story from the Ritz-Carlton. So when I lived in Georgia, I lived out on Lake Oconee, and there's a Ritz-Carlton property there. Um, I think it's called the Plantations or something like that. And... I knew the general manager, so he invited me to come out for lunch. And when I pulled up, the valets knew I was coming. And they said, oh, hello, Mr. Mershon. Let me show you where to park your car. And then I came inside and somebody inside knew my name. And they say, follow me. Let me take you. Mr. Freund is expecting you. And every person along the way knew who I was. 
which put me at ease because I have never sat at a meal that had like three or four forks and spoons. And I, this was like lunch. I just came for lunch, a burger and fries. And here's this whole spread, which was really uncomfortable for me because I've not been in that situation, but every person knew who I was and wanted to make sure I had a great experience. Mr. Freund, the manager had obviously told everybody, but I suspect that's the way they make everybody feel when they come in. Contrast that with an experience I had at a hotel chain that I won't even mention because I don't want to put them in trouble, where I was an inconvenience. I went in to check in. They said, well, your room's not ready yet, which was understandable. I was early. They said, come back in two hours. And I did. I came back in two hours and I stood at the front desk and there were behind me, Kelly, there was a table of four people who clearly worked at the hotel sitting there on lunch break in the lobby and they all ignored me. Now, to somewhat to their credit, there was a sign on the counter that said, call this number, but they were sitting there. They could have gone and got somebody or they could have said something. They ignored me. And at that point, I felt like I was a complete inconvenience until a visiting manager who was there training the staff came out and said, oh, Mr. Mershon, it's so good to see you. How can I help you? And she gave me like bonus reward points for having to wait. She, you know, she turned that, that awkward moment into a great moment, but it also showed me the power of training staff. And she said her whole reason for being there was training staff. So why do I share those two stories? Because I think they show the power of an emotional connection with your guest. And you talked about what we do at our conference is every staff member is trained to make somebody's day. Like go out of your way to do for one person what you wish you could do for everyone. That's what I tell them. And so, and every person should come back at the end of every day with at least one story of something they did for somebody that turned their day around or was a surprise and delight moment. You know, something that they could do that someone wasn't expecting. All those things help to predispose somebody to being open to bigger things. Now, if we back up for a second into the science of this, the science of memory making, so there's a couple of things that are at stake when we're making memories. One is we want to tap into the senses. We want to do something that's multi-sensory. Most events focus on visual and audio, and that's not bad because visual plus audio is better than one or the other. And visual is a higher percent of us are visual learners than auditory. Those are the two biggest, but if you want to make something memorable, then you need to tap into tactile, get them touching something, doing something. You want to tap into the smells are the most powerful. Um, and then obviously you want to tap into taste if you can. So if you can get someone tasting something, you can get them actually smelling something. That's going to be your strongest connection to memory. And the more memorable we can make it, the more chance it has to change us. Uh, Kelly, your audience are all Christian CEOs, and I'm a former pastor. So I was thinking about this. What are some of the most unforgettable things that ever happened in the Bible? I mentioned one when the, uh, the sun stood still, but you know, the parting of the Red Sea. Parting of the Red Sea is totally unforgettable. How could you walk through that and be the same person? And yet, what happened? 30 days later, they're grumbling. They want to go back. They've forgotten how bad it was before they went through the Red Sea. So what's happening there? They have not been intentionally remembering. Now, God made the most impressionable 
memory maker in the world. And this is, this is what's true. Like you can make the most unforgettable experience at your event. And if you don't have ways to reinforce it, it really doesn't matter. There's a German uh, psychologist named Effing Haas who created the, the forgetting curve. This is back in the late 1800s, but it's, it still proves today. He discovered that within 90 or within 30 days, we will have forgotten 90% of what we've learned and experienced um, at an event without reinforcement. So when you're designing an event and you're wanting it to change people's lives, then you need to have a plan for what's next. How are they going to reinforce this? They probably won't remember everything, Kelly. Um, they may only remember a few things. So if you've got something you want them to remember, then you need to bake that in. If it's more of a self-discovery and they need to decide what's important for them to remember, then how are they going to have a plan? Because most people, when they get back to the office, are going to move to the next thing. Mm. So without a plan, without some kind of way to reinforce, we will forget and it will have been a lot of wasted effort. And that's one of my missions. I, you know, I say there's no more boring events, but by boring, I mean forgettable. I don't mean the ones that put you to sleep because none of us want to go to those. Um, and yes, we should stamp those out too. But I mean the unimpactful, which could have all the lights and bells and all the amazing things that you talk about when you get back, but it didn't change you. Then why? Why put all that money into it unless it leads to something more? That is so powerful. And I think you guys by now probably can figure you need to buy that book and buy another 10 copies to the people you care or you know that they're going to run events. But for me, actually, it's not only run events. It can be run, you know, it just because inside this book have so many things can help you know, all the uh, CEOs and leaders, as long as you are serving people. Well, if you're in business, you are serving people. And for me, even I don't necessarily run events, but I would like to read this book to enhance my post-purchase experience for my clients. You mm -hmm. know, uh, I think this is a very, very important. A lot of uh, courses and material out there, resources, is all talk about how to get clients. But I always talk about how about after you get them, how you serve them. And so they will come back and they will tell people about the wonderful experience. Since we're in that topic, one of the last questions, because I can ask Phil for a whole day long, right? It, I it would be like, like, there's thousands of questions I can ask him, right? I can want to glean to his wisdom of this. But um, since we're in that topic about powerful memories, obviously we had to rely on our crews, our team to create it, right? And when I was volunteering that, that year, you know, uh, it's great fun, you know, get to know a lot of people and it's just wonderful experience. The thing is, question is, how did you get all of us, right, to say, not only say yes to, you know, to volunteer, but also um, happily serve the way that you desire to your attendees? I think it starts with we look for people who already have a disposition towards service. 
So, and we tried to discern, you know, why do you want to do this? Because we try to weed out people that are just there, you know, to get access to speakers or something. Um, so, but we cast a vision. Now, the, we have something going for us because we've been recruiting volunteers for years. The first couple of years, we didn't really know what we were asking for. You know, I've worked with volunteers for most of my life because I've been working in the church for about 20, 25 years I've worked in the church. So you're working with volunteers, but it's different when you're doing it for a business conference. So, but we understood we couldn't do it with just the paid staff that we had, like what we were trying to build was so much bigger. And so we invited people into creating something special. And we found that some people, some people were motivated, motivated by the fact that they could get a free ticket. Others were motivated by the fact that they could get access to our CEO or our staff team, or it might even lead to a job, which it did for a number of people, um, or it could lead to access to speakers. And we weren't against that if their first dominant um, motivation was they just want to create a great experience for the attendees. But we do have some people who come that that's just why they're there. They love making connections. They love helping make someone's um, life and business better. They wanted access to the recordings. Um, the knowledge was great, but they really did do delight in making that experience come to life and they find great value in that. And so we look for those kinds of people. And, you know, I don't know if it's up there yet, but we have people who have given us testimonies of how it's their favorite place to volunteer. They can't wait. And so you look for those kinds of people. Um, and that they could be paid or unpaid. To be honest with you, sometimes the paid staff were harder to work with than the volunteers because the paid staff often have another job. And this is no diss on anybody. Um, but when you've got another job you're supposed to be doing during the same event while you're trying to put it on, it, it creates a conflict. Um, mm -hmm. And some people get recruited to do a certain kind of work that maybe isn't public facing. So you need people, you're from hospitality, so you understand the importance of people who can put on a smile, who know how to turn a bad situation into a good situation and not get ruffled by it, you know, who know not to put their frustrations out in public, you know, and the kinds of things that make good service, you're looking for people who just naturally are that way anyway. So when I hear someone's been in hospitality like yourself, or I hear somebody that used to work for Disney or somewhere that customer service is, was a big deal. And like, okay, you're hired. You know, we want you on the team. If you want it, you can even be in a leadership position because I know you get it and you can help infuse it. And then, you know, we cast vision. I I'm a visionary. I try to make it easy. Some people think I go too far, um, but I try to break it down um, so that you can easily remember the, the principles that we have, like the one that you said, you know, never point, always, you know, always lead, always, always show them the way or whatever, um, which, whichever one it is. We have about eight of those little axioms that we say, never, always, never do this, always do that. Yeah. And last question, the share worthy moments. Okay. I think, um, can we talk about that in the context of, because people now say, well, after COVID, right, a lot of events turn to virtual. And now it's still, you know, let's say for maybe new people, they are not comfortable right away to do the in-person events, but they want to start from virtual events, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we create those shareable moments still in the context of virtual events? 
Well, in a virtual event, you can still do things that are share worthy. Um, so some of the ways, and I didn't go into this fully, how do you make something that's memorable? One of the ways is you do something that's unexpected, something that's maybe out of context that people are like, oh, what's going on there? Or you take two things that you know are very normal, very common, but you bring them together and do them in an unusual way. So some of your listeners may be familiar with Savannah Bananas. They're a baseball team and they're all over Instagram and TikTok. And they do things on a baseball field that normally aren't done. Like that's actually their mission. Do something on the baseball field that's never been done before. Those become sure-worthy because everyone's laughing and saying, I've never seen, you know, a rodeo cowboy pitching a baseball and lassoing base runners. You know, it's hilarious to watch. And so, of course, you want to watch more of those kinds of things. Um, but think about what's what are unusual experiences that you can create. And if you don't mind, we can create one right now. Sure. All right. We're going to create an experience right now that your audience is probably not expecting. <laughs> Including you. Okay. I'm scared now. Okay. You probably weren't expecting it, but you know, I'm a musician. Yeah. So one of the things I love to do is I love to do what I call jazz tasting. And I like to create in the moment, one of a kind music that could become shareable someday, you know, or it could just be a, oh, well, that was different, but we could do something like that. I'm, I hope I do it more to inspire than it is to create something that everyone here is going to share, but bring the gifts that you have, like the skills that you have on your team. Say, well, what could we do? What are we good at that would allow us to do something that has never been done before on a virtual camera? Now, I can't say this is the first time I've ever done it, but it will be the first time I've done it with you for your audience. And what's going to make it unusual and maybe memorable is you're going to give me a couple of words that you've heard today that are going to stick with you. So Kelly, what are a couple of words today that stand out from this conversation that you're going to continue thinking about? I still, I think I will remember, you know, about that 10,000 hours, the excellence. Mm. I also will still remember, you know, before we hire a crew, you know, the cast of vision is important, but also filter out basically very, with very clear direction of what. I want to that my attendee feel so that's that kind of people I want to recruit in. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. So this is just going to be a quick um, musical response to those two ideas of putting in the 10,000 hours and casting a vision to find the right crew to be on your team. And you may hear some odes to songs that are familiar, but it's going to be mostly completely improvised. All right. 
other than forgetting what Kia is in to start with, we were. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It sounds lovely. It sounds familiar, but I cannot just right away come. To... Well, and it, it was new, but it was inspired by we're one in the one in the spirit, and also um, a little bit of ten thousand. Um, I could go ten thousand miles, whatever that song is. Oh um, yeah, it was there was a hint of that in there as well. But, yeah, but it was more just kind of riffing on those two ideas. So, but yeah. you can do the same thing. It online, offline, create moments that are unique for the audience that you have that you serve and they will naturally want to share those. And as they share them, they do come back to help reinforce and make say, "Oh yeah, I forgot about that. I need to go take action." So, you know, that's that's like the callback loop, right? Right. So, we want people to strive to put in those hours. How do I stack my team so that I have the 10,000 collective hours of experience? How do we recruit the right staff and cast a vision so that they have the service mentality that we want because they understand why it's important for the experience that we're creating? Before we wrap up, I'm really curious. Why the book cover is an elephant? <laughs> yeah, that's a very common question. So, um, let's pull it up here. So it's an elephant because elephants are the animal that remembers the best. So if you're going to make something memorable, then, you know, you want to tap into an, an animal that already remembers well, but what's humorous about it and hopefully attention grabbing is this yellow ribbon, uh -huh. which is meant to put on its trunk as a reminder to remember to an animal that already remembers better than we do. So I, I think there's actually some humor in there, but it's just, you know, it's, it's mostly, it's an attention grabber. Like okay. I, I don't talk about elephants in the book at all, but since putting it on the cover, I've started thinking more and more about elephants. And I think it's a great metaphor. And then the elephant has a name, Kelly. Um, he, he has a, a Swahili name and a more European name. His Swahili name is Kumbu, which means to remember. Okay, And then his European name is Remembrant because he's an artist and he traveled to Europe to learn to be an artist and fell in love with Rembrandt. But his friends said, well, we can't call you Rembrandt. So we're going to call you Remembrant because you love to remember. And now he loves to go to events and experiences all over the globe. And he whispers in the ear of the event owner and tells them everything that no one else is willing to tell them because he's the elephant in the room. Ah, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really something. Okay, I'm glad I asked because I seriously try to find is anything that you written inside the book about this elephant, but I couldn't find. It. I said, okay, I'm just gonna ask him. <laughs> There's one page at the back that introduces him, I think, and that's about all that's in the book. So yeah, yeah. It, well, guys, you know, um, you can you know pre-order order depends on when you you know listen or watch this episode. And uh, it's really a fantastic book. Inside, seriously, it will save you a lot of hours and headache as well. So, Phil, I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show today. I hope next time is not like so long. <laughs> I agree. Let's make it a lot shorter. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you. How have you enjoyed this episode? Maybe you are like me, already took a lot of notes and want more. Well, if so, I really encourage you to buy Phil's book. Think about over 25 years of wisdom that we can learn from, right? So Phil's own website is philmerchant.com 
We also put the link in our show note for your convenience. You just go to kellybala.com forward slash podcast. Then there you can access to everything. I will see you in the next episode. Hi there. If you have found this episode resonating with you, would you please consider to take a moment? Just drop a review on Apple Podcast. It will serve a fresh dose of blessings to those of us who work so hard to produce the content week in and week out. Please go to kellyballer.com forward slash review. Again, that's kellyballer.com forward slash review. We really appreciate it. And you will also help more fellow Christian CEOs find this podcast. Thank you so much. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Christian CEO Podcast at www.kellybotter.com.